What's up, guys, and welcome to the We Believe Golden State Warriors Basketball Podcast, the Sports Ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Borlick. Listeners, please take a moment to follow the at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on Earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis, too. Again, that's at EthosFantasyBK on Twitter. Follow now. Guys, we've got a very special show today. Uh, We've got Steven from the Sports Ethos team here to deep dive into the trade deadline, which is coming up in two and a half weeks. We're going to be talking about the Warriors and potential trades, trade partners, trade options, looking at salary caps, and um, you know what the Warriors may or may not find themselves doing coming into the trade deadline. So really appreciate you guys tuning in with us. And without any further ado, let's get right into it. Hey, Steven. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, what's going on, man? Not much. How about you? Doing pretty good. Thanks for uh, taking the time to get on the show. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, most definitely. Um, It's been quite the exciting season to be a Golden State Warriors fan after a few years of outside the top eight, trying to get into the playoffs and be a part of some of the NBA's elite. And uh, here we are kind of exceeding expectations, second in the Western Conference, doing pretty good. I think kind of exceeding expectations as far as what I think a lot of the league thought where the Warriors would be. I mean, I know a lot of people thought the Warriors were going to be good, but I don't think they were thinking like top two in the West, um, especially when you look at um, kind of the continuity issues and Clay Thompson and James Wiseman taking longer to return than people thought. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. And as we're going to talk about this episode, there's, you know, means to get better than what you already are. So that's an exciting, um, that's an exciting aspect of this. Yeah, for sure. Exciting, intriguing, and interesting to kind of dig into, given that, you know, the Warriors did get out to such a incredible start. And, you know, looking at their last 10 games, they've been struggling a little bit, you know, losing to a few teams that they shouldn't have, tough loss against Indiana. Um and a few other games. So yeah, it does kind of beg the question looking ahead to the trade deadline coming up in a two and a half weeks, you know, what are the Warriors going to do and do they even want to make a trade? And um, you know, what are even the options available to them? Well, there's really two avenues that I could see the Warriors pursuing. The first one is to take Andrew Wiggins. We know he's on the max contract and turn that into you know, a big upgrade, like a Bradley Beal or a Damian Lillard type upgrade. That, though, I don't know the odds of that happening. You know, the Sixers are in the market waiting to trade Ben Simmons for a guy like that. So I don't know if that guy becomes available right now. Especially, I don't even know if you'd want to do a trade like that the way Andrew Wiggins has been playing. But the real question is, if you want to upgrade, let's say the center position, somebody like that, a Miles Turner, a Christian Wood, and Jeremy Grant. Those are really the three guys maybe you could throw in DeMontis a bonus that I'm looking at if I'm the Warriors. And you need to look at yourself in the mirror if um, you're Bob Myers or your ownership and say, how do we value James Wiseman? Because not only is Wiseman the asset 
aspect of any of those trades, but he's also the salary aspect, given he was the number two pick in the draft. After all those guys on the huge contracts, like the Draymonds, the Clays, the Wiggins, the Staffs, Wiseman's the next guy, salary rise that fits there. So you figure, okay, a Wiseman and a Kevon Looney. And if you want to do the math, the Warriors are a tax team. So you multiply those two salaries by 125% plus 100,000. That puts you at about 17.7 million for an upgrade. So that's my question looking at the Warriors at the deadline. It's are they going to pull that James Wiseman trade and cut their loss, or that pick and cut their loss and say, okay, maybe you picked the wrong guy? Or what I read, they still think he's going to be an all NBA caliber big man. So maybe they don't want to give up on that. So they're, they're kind of in this scenario. And again, with Kaminga and Moody, they're in this like happy medium where they could either trade the assets for like a Miles Turner, which will probably push them over the edge and make them the best team in the NBA. As opposed to, you know, if some people want to argue Phoenix or Brooklyn, whatever it may be. Yeah. Or even a Jeremy Grant type who that still allows you to play small with Draymond because I never really understood the James Wiseman pick to begin with because the Warriors had so much success playing small ball. Why did they go after, you know, this potential great center in the draft? So hmm. again, I'm a big proponent for take the best player available. Clearly he's who the Warriors had on their board, but let's say a Miles Turner, a Jeremy Grant. I mean, that would make this defense alongside Draymond even more deadly I think, you know, if you could acquire one of those guys, they have that happy medium of, okay, do we want to push the chips in and really go for it? Or do we want to hold back and, you know, when Steph and Clay and Draymond, when they're in the twilight of their careers, we have the Kamingas and the Moody's and the Wiseman's and the Jordan Pools. You can't forget him. Yeah, definitely some good, some good topics to kind of dive into there. Um, I'll just kind of go from the top. So, you know, I personally think Andrew Wiggins is a really big, really big part of this team. He's a really big piece in the NBA. You need elite wing depth and uh, Wiggins is a little overpaid, I think for what he does, but at the same time, he is so consistent and durable. And given that Clay Thompson's still coming back from his 940 days of not playing in the NBA. It remains to be seen if Thompson's going to be able to get back to that place where he was kind of one of the elite two-way guards in the league who could guard the Bradley Beals, Damian Lillards, etc. Um, so that's really been Wiggins for a while. Um, He's been good. He's been phenomenal this year. You know, and, and getting the love too. He is, uh, I think he's still number four in the um, all-star voting. I actually think he moved up to number three. I think he passed. Oh, wow. Davis now. Well, okay. All Anthony Davis have both been hurt. So, but. So, yeah. But I, I mean, and, and you know, his, his offense disappears at times, right? That's always been kind of the knock on him, but as a third or fourth option on this Warriors team, he just kind of fits in seamlessly. He's just a little bit overpaid to be, to be that guy. But then at the same time, he's so consistent. He doesn't get hurt. He plays good defense. He does a little bit of everything has been struggling trying to reintegrate with getting Clay Thompson back in the starting lineup. But, um, you know, I kind of talked about that leading into Clay's return, that that was kind of to be expected. And the Warriors are kind of in this process of reestablishing their identity, getting Clay back. And Jordan Poole's been another guy who's been impacted by that. So I 
don't in my mind you know if you just did like a wiggins for beal kind of swap i don't think that moves the needle enough because what you gain in offense you lose in defense and um, one of the re- big reasons why the warriors have maintained their elite defensive efficiency rating even without draymond green has been andrew wiggins um, Otto Porter Jr. and Kevon Looney. So I don't think you can, and Steve Kerr's a defense first kind of guy. So, you know, I think, I think Andrew Wiggins is a little bit untouchable. Now there are other players who aren't on the trade block that I think, you know, Lacob and Bob Myers would maybe consider trading Wiggins for who would just be like an obvious upgrade, like a Kevin Durant or something like that. But that's not even like feasible on the table. So I don't think that's even worth getting into, but I do know that Lacob's kind of a little attached to this roster and probably not going to pull the trigger on anything unless it's kind of like an overpay in favor of the Warriors. And I don't think a lot of teams are going to want to do that. um, At least when you look at Wiggins. I do think the conversation at center is, is a little bit interesting and is something that they might explore you mentioned Miles Turner. He kind of makes sense as the most obvious piece that would fit into the Warriors and, and kind of catapult them into clear championship contenders. Um, but Turner is a little fishy. You know, he he's going to be out, expected to be out beyond the February 10th trade deadline. So, you know, and you're without Draymond right now. So pulling this, you know, pulling the trigger on a trade like that leaves the Warriors in a pretty tough place as far as depth in the meantime while he's out obviously when he gets back the expectation is you know they'd be really good by the time playoffs come around but then he needs time to establish that continuity and chemistry that has kind of been the warriors calling card for a while is just having this elite core that's played together for so long um and Turner, for as good as he is defensively, also disappears on offense at times. You know, I think he's had a game this season where he scored 40, and he's had games where he's had a donut or two points or something like that. And he can space the floor and hit a three, but, um, you know, he's not a great rebounder. So I don't know, but that's interesting. Um, what are your thoughts on on that? I do like, well, as I said, the three guys I'd be looking at if I'm Bob Miles, Turner, maybe you want to look at Sabonis as well. I think, you know, his outlet passes down from the post out to Steph or Clay or Paul, I think they'd be phenomenal. So I'm looking at one of those Indiana guys. I'm looking at Christian Wood. And then this guy's not a center, but I'm looking at Jeremy Grant because he would still give you a versatile defender that would allow you to play some small ball. In regard to Turner... I think a defense anchored by him and Draymond Green with him protecting the rim and Draymond's, you know, he does some rim protection when you play small ball, but he also play on the perimeter. I think that defense would be deadly. So, and again, Turner, he's one of the better shooting centers in the, he's that, you know, that three and D type mold in the center position, which you don't see too often. Him and Christian Wood actually both are. So So let's talk uh, Turner, like uh, cap wise, what would that look like? Um, to make to get the salaries to match what would the well, Warriors have to give I, up? I believe he's around 17 and a half to 18 so okay. as i said if you do a james wiseman and a kavan looney mm-hmm. and then as i said you multiply that just because they're in this um luxury tax by 1.25 and then add a hundred thousand yeah. that puts you at 17 7 so, so that, the, the warriors only have two centers on their roster though so that's gonna be i don't see that happening they need to um 
wave one of their two ways then and, and sign another and then like your second string center is on a two way because well yes but i i get the issue with tono being hurt because then obviously then you really have no centers as long as Turner's out through the deadline but well, no, what, my, my point is um if Turner's not if Turner's not going to play 48 minutes a night, so in the minutes that Turner's not playing, who's playing center for the Warriors if you trade Wiseman and Looney? You're playing small ball with Draymond. That I mean, that's what I would envision because they still do a lot of that small ball with Draymond playing the five. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this it gives them more versatility in the aspect of, okay, when he's not on the court, when Turner's not on the court, you could, you know, run Draymond at the five in like a point center type mold. And mm-hmm. it, it just, it gives Steve Kerr a lot of different options to play with. And yeah. then if, you know, Draymond's still out, you have Bezlika could play some of, he's been playing a little bit of backup center minutes recently. So I, I don't think it, I get what you're saying with, oh, you're trading Looney and Wiseman. Unfortunately, you have to to make the salaries work. That's really the – unless you want to include Kamingo and Moody, which obviously you would rather include Looney over those guys. But, yeah, that's really – if you want to make the salary work, that's how it would have to <clears> – <throat> excuse me, that's how it would have to occur. So bonus – yeah. Looney's been playing some of the best ball in his career. Kevon Looney, I don't know if you know this, he's the only player to start every game for the Warriors this season. Uh, before the game last night in Utah, he had uh, five consecutive double-digit uh, double rebounding games, which is the first time he's done that in his career. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting undersized five who can switch out um, and guard smalls and keep them in front. They have a lot of confidence in him um, in the pick and roll, just switching and not getting uh, not getting stuck in a mismatch. So... Yeah, I don't know, man. It, it, it hurts because Looney's always had a, a soft spot in my heart um, for just how, how he kind of is a Steve Kerr disciple and just does all the little things. But um, he does a lot of the dirty work that you guys need. Yeah, so, and he rebounds so well. Yeah. So that's that's hard for me to see. And then James Wiseman, we just don't know, right? So it's like he could be the next all-NBA perennial center, or he might just be a bust. <laughs> we, we, have, we haven't even really seen him play enough to really give him a fair evaluation. Um, He's definitely shown flashes. So, I mean, that's always good when your 19-year-old center shows flashes of shooting, a little bit of passing chops, go put it on the floor a little bit. We saw uh, glimpses of all that. We just haven't seen him put it all together yet. And obviously, he's only played, like, what, 30-something career, 40-something career games. Right. So, and last season was a little, last season was a little weird. Um, you know, Steve Kerr came into last season saying Wiseman's not a starter. And there was a little bit of a disconnect between front office and the coaching. And, um, you know, I kind of said that I think kind of behind closed doors, Lakeham told Kerr, now nah, you're going to start Wiseman and play him 30 minutes a night. And he wasn't ready for that. And that's where we saw him really struggle because he just couldn't do much of anything. And he was being asked to do way too much with the wrong pieces around him. And, you know, it's no wonder that for such a young player, he's struggling and you're seeing a big difference in the approach to uh, Jonathan Kaminga this season, who's been on a much shorter leash, who has also shown glimpses and flashes of potential, but also in like 15 minute stints. And occasionally he's, 
been given more minutes when he plays well and earns it or when there's injuries or something like that. But he didn't just thrust him into the starting lineup and say, figure it out and go out and be, you know, starting power forward or starting center or what have you. Yeah. And again, Kaminga's another one that they're really going to have to evaluate and say, okay, are we willing to move him in a trade for, you know, a Turner, a Wood, a Sabonis? Because there's going to be teams like Charlotte could really use a center. Mason Plumlee, though, I know they have a winning record. I know they're, what, I think six games above 500. But Mason Plumlee's not there for the long term. So the Hornets, I feel like, or one piece away. Again, I know this is a Warriors pod, but I'm just I'm just trying to shape the market of teams that, you know, Golden State's going to have to say, okay, fine, do you value Wiseman more than anything that this team could offer? And so I it'd think, be like a three-team trade in that kind of scenario? or Well, no. I think the Hornets could offer something like a future first-round pick and like a P.J. Washington or James Booknight. And then that puts the Warriors in a position to say, okay, well, we assume that, you know, Wiseman's trade value is going to trump both those guys. So, you know, they have that trade chip that they could utilize to outbid another team that also needs a center. I see. Interesting. So, so that's what I envision the trade market shaping up like. Now, if Golden State makes a move, I can't say because – I've heard their front office, that wake up, that Bob Myers, they're all very high on James Wiseman and think he's the next big thing. So, again, if that's how I feel about a guy, I'm not going to fault you for holding on, still trying to win now, but also still have your future in mind and say, okay, well, this guy could be our next franchise player post-Steph and Clay and Draymond's, and we could grow him with the Kamingas and the Moody's. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, you know, Anthony Slater came out uh the athletic came out today and suggested that there's some sources inside the warriors front office that say they don't really have any plans to shake anything up but you know we we don't know those sources and it's fun to still dig into this and talk about it so um what i yeah what i was just going to say was i think the warriors would have more hesitancy to pull a trigger on a james wiseman trade if they hadn't just won three championships in a five-year span within the last seven years. So I think the fact that they've already proven, okay, look, Steph already has his three rings. We've already proven to our fans we're dedicated to winning. We could still approach this with, okay, yes, we're going to be a contender, but we also want to have a future in mind and hold on to Wiseman because we believe in him. So again, I'm, I'm a Sixers fan. So I think it's ridiculous <laughs> they're wasting Joel and Beach Prime right now. Yeah. Let's say all of a sudden the Ben Simmons things happens, and then I know he's still on the team anyway, but let's say we won three championships in five years. You know, they wouldn't be as urgent to get off of him because they're like, okay, well, we could just hold out for the best package, which is what Dallas Moore is doing anyway. Right. Um, you definitely have, you know, the more leniency when you prove it, okay, look, this group, this core players could get it done. And you know, we, we don't owe our fans anything more, but we're still going to compete with the future in mind. So that's the question that they're going to have to decide. And I think the fact that the recent success they've had is, you know, a reason why they might stay put. Yeah, and, and it's interesting. There's a lot of people who are Steph Curry fans who are sitting here and just want to see 
Curry ball out with the best. And get a finals on And, you know, it's like, go get a Bradley Beal. Go get anyone, any superstar, and trade all these young guys who aren't, who, you know, quote unquote, aren't going to help us in this playoff run. Um, But I think, you know, when you do look at the longer picture, the Warriors are in a really sweet spot. They have this incredible core of Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Draymond, Looney, Iguodala, and then some other kind of seasoned vets, JTA, Damian Lee, um, Otto Porter Jr., Bielitsa, and then a bunch of young guys who have incredible potential, Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman. So they are kind of setting themselves up for future success, Um, but also these young guys have shown glimpses too. So yeah, I think I think James Wiseman likely isn't going to have an impact this season or this playoff series. You know, maybe we need to see when he actually returns to full contact. He hasn't even done that yet. Um, but I do think that the team is hesitant to make a move unless you're getting kind of like a sure thing. Um, and I think other teams are going to want Wiseman plus something. So I think you know, a Wiseman one-for-one kind of swap, I think maybe has more potential, but if you have to package Wiseman and Looney, I don't think, I don't see the Warriors doing that just because Looney is such a big part of what the Warriors are doing and their success this season. Um, Now, I am curious, like you mentioned Jeremy Grant, what is is Jer- Jeremy Grant kind of around the same salary as Miles Turner? We were talking about like 17, 18. I believe he's 20. So 20, you probably okay. just have to add one of the minimum guys, whether that's you probably don't want if let's say you have to add Wiseman and Looney for salary and you're not gonna put Kamingo Moody in there, then you're gonna have to add, you know, a Damian Lee. I know he's Steph's brother-in-law, so I don't know how willing they would be to trade him or a JTA. Whoever on a minimum just to make the salaries work. So if that would, you know, Detroit would, I would imagine want a guy like James Wiseman that they could sell themselves on to either be the center of the future or depending how, how high they are on Isaiah Stewart to share that partnership and just see what they got later on. So I think Detroit, you know, the same way Indiana, if they trade Miles Turner or Sabonis, they're going to want to be rebuilding, get the best young asset. Detroit, we know, wants to find that future running mate with Cade. So I think those are both awesome, you know, trade partners for the Warriors because they have a guy that the Warriors could use now that can help them win. And also a team that would be highly, highly, highly motivated to get their hands on James Wiseman. Yeah, I think money-wise, that makes sense. I think that the Pistons would need to send back a center, even if it's a minimum. Well, they have a trade miles type guy that they could send, but... Because the Warriors would then be Elitza would be the only center. <laughs> I mean, Jeremy Grant doesn't play the five. He Let's is a le- he is a legit four. Um, and the whole point is you don't want Draymond to play the five all season because he's going to get beat up. You want to save him for the playoffs to really turn it on. Um, yeah, but there, there's always going to be guys in the buyout market. You, we know the trade deadline happens, and all these guys that are still not content with their teams, especially in smaller markets, get bought out. I could see, you know, if they have to trade a Looney and a Wiseman to get a Miles Turner or a Jeremy Grant, then, you know, I could see your Robin Lopez if he's not traded getting bought off from Orlando. 
Mm-hmm. I hate to say because he's looked terrible, but let's say DeAndre Jordan is likely not long for the Lakers all season once they need to open a roster spot. It's a body. I know DeAndre Jordan is a shell of his old self, but I, it's a big man. It's a body that, you know, if they need 10, 12 minutes a night, he could provide you that. I like the Robin Lopez fit way better than the than the DeAndre Jordan fit nowadays, but I'm just using his him as an example of centers that Warriors could always, if they make a move, will be able to get later on. But the Jeremy Grant fit, I think, is really interesting. Um, he, he allows you to play... Uh, maybe he could play some five instead of Draymond. He's bigger, and he's an okay rim protector. I think Miles Turner is a perfect fit, honestly. Um, and if not him, then Christian would. But as you said, if you're trading Wiseman, you want more of a proven commodity... Miles Turner's proven, okay, I could be the starting center on the playoff team. Christian Wood has only, you know, been a starter for a bad team in recent years after, you know, he was in the G League for a bit. So he's not as a proven asset or a proven commodity. So uh, is Wood, Wood have the same salary range at about those guys? Wood at 13 mil. So Wood you, could probably, Wood, you could probably do Wiseman and, like, as I said, one of the minimum guys, like a watch yeah. Toronto Anderson or Damian Lee. That way you guys could keep Looney. But again, I don't know if they feel that strongly about Wood that they'd be willing to part with Wiseman. At least Milestone, as I said, you know what you're getting. You know he's a top-tier defender. You know he's a pretty good shooter as a big man. Christian Wood has a lot more question marks because he's only been, you know, the starting center and one of the best players on a bad Pistons team and now a bad Rockets team post the Harden trade. Yeah, this is true. I'm just a little concerned about the status of Miles Turner, so... No, and um, you have every reason to be concerned because and he does he does get hurt a lot. He doesn't like miss significant time, but he his body is a little bit of Anthony Davis esque. Well, what do you think about the possibility of Demontis Sabonis? Then it's a different kind of player compared to Tono, but I mean he's a little um, repetitive to what Draymond does. He he's a much better rebounder, which is good. Um, not as good of a defender, but he but, is, yeah, he kind of operates in the low post and is a great passer, but that's, that's like exactly what Draymond does. So, um, you know, I, I see, I see how he can definitely bring a lot to the team, but it seems like you're trying to find ways to play, to kind of stagger him and Draymond. And I don't think they really make sense together in closing lineups because neither of them are that great at three pointers. Yeah, and that's the same issue that, as I said, I use a lot of Sixers references just because, you know, I watch them all the time. That's a similar issue to, like, a Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, where they both want to play in the post. So, obviously, you know, Miles Turner would space the floor much better than, than you know, um, a Miles Turner would. Oh, then a DeMontis Sabonis, excuse me. Real quick, quick tangent. What are your thoughts on getting James Harden for Ben Simmons? I wish it happened last year. I, I honestly did believe we were going to get James Harden at the time just because I thought what we were offering the Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibault and maybe a first-round pick or two, Trump's, you know, they didn't even get Chris Levert, but a Chris Levert, a Jared Allen, they didn't get Jared Allen either, and a bunch of picks. So those picks, you know, the question marks. At least you knew you were getting a proven asset with Ben Simmons, a three-time All-Star, and a top-tier defender. So I'm still on board for it, 
But Daryl Morey really needs to be sure that this is happening. If he's going to take this into next season, he needs to know James Harden is going to be coming here in a signing trade. So that's my opinion of it. Yeah. I, st- I was holding out hope for Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal, but James Harden is a hell of a consolation. <laughs> yeah, and Damian Lillard, man, he's just been struggling with that abdominal injury all season. Poor guy. Yeah, and, you know, I think this was a good time for him to get surgery because now he could kind of evaluate his teammates and what the team has surrounded him with. And, you know, he's taking time to say, okay, are we really going to be... I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, are they going to be good enough to get out of the first round of the West? <laughs> That's been their yeah. issue, right? They're, yeah. play, they're a top eight team, but they can't get out of the first or second round. Yeah, and he's um, going to see the team, how they play without him, and it really right. evaluate, okay, can I win with this team? Or- it's kind of exactly what they need because that's always been the issue, um, you know, with Dame and, and McCollum. Neither of them play defense, but they can both score, but there's not enough help around them to outscore the opposition in a playoff series. But they've always kind of been both healthy, so you didn't really get a chance to develop talent, and now you've got, like, Simons and Little and other guys stepping up and so you're right it does give them an opportunity to take a step back and say what do we have and do we think it's good enough when these guys are back to put together a team do we need to blow it up Um, but when you've got Dame there taking whatever 30 shots and with all that usage um, it's hard to really get a fair evaluation. You know I actually um as a lot of the listeners of Sports Ethos products know, I'm doing my mock trade deadline right now. I'm actually releasing a three-part article on the site next week prior to the trade deadline. But I bring that up because I, I also do my mock offseason. And I actually thought, you know, when there were whispers, oh, Dame's going to fail you, Dame's requesting out, everything. I honestly thought he was going to go to Golden State. I thought, I thought, you know, a package with – this was before the draft. So a package of the 7th and the 14th pick along with Wiseman, along with Wiggins' salary match. Again, Wiggins has been phenomenal this year. This is way before he broke out. But I said, look, Dame's from Oakland. He's going to want to play in, in, um, in Golden State. I think it made a ton of sense. So would it shock me if at the end of this year, all of a sudden they're trying to work something out to get – they have as much ammo as anybody to land a star. With Moody, Kaminga, and Wiseman and having all their own picks – and four different guys to salary match with. Obviously, Steph isn't going to be moved. But I think the Warriors have just about as much ammo as anybody for a future trade for a star. And that's scary to think about with, you know, the current position in the league Mm. with the current roster. It's interesting because, you know, obviously when the Warriors got Durant, they were this kind of juggernaut, unbeatable team. But I actually think the Warriors were better without Durant the 73 win team that was more Steve Kerr's read react free flowing passing offense than the KD isolation heavy, you know, we, we outscore you, you have no chance offense. So I don't know. I I definitely agree that the Warriors have as much, just about as much ammunition as any other team to go in and get somebody. But for the guys that we're talking about that could potentially be moved. And I would even throw Damian Lillard on that list. I don't think, you know, Lillard coming to the Warriors moves the needle because Lillard is a minus defender. Curry 
Curry has stepped up his defense this season, but Curry's not guarding twos. He's really guarding like point guards and then occasionally um, non-threat wings. Uh, Clay Thompson looks like he slid more into like a three-four role on defense. It remains to be seen. So I don't know. I don't really know what that what the roster build would look like if you've got Steph and Lillard. It sounds kind of a lot more like kind of what Portland was and the issues that Portland had where they can't defend at a high level when when you really need to. Um, and I think that is kind of Bradley Beal as well. Even though Beal plays the two, he's not a net plus defender at his position. So moving Wiggins to get someone like that, while you definitely get a big bump in your offense, um, I think you lose a lot defensively and that's, and that's really what Steve Kurt's been looking for. So that's why I think, you know, of all the guys that we've talked about, Miles Turner defense first, one of the premier elite shot blocking bigs, rim protectors in the league who can step out and shoot the three, who does have this injury expecting to miss, you know, whatever the next two or three weeks ish or more. Um, I don't know if that's enough time to get, the continuity that they want to to go all the way and i haven't really i watched turner a lot when he was younger but i haven't watched a lot of him in the last few years mostly because indiana's just like rinse and repeat of their their main guys getting hurt every season um i'm not sure how he would kind of fit into that system i'm sure he would he would um be more than suitable but wiseman and looney that's a big price because you just watch what Looney does on defense. And we saw it last night against Utah Um, in the closing seconds of the game with Utah with the ball uh, down by two, he uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich got Looney out on a switch and the Warriors were fine. And Looney held his ground, poked it away. Bogdanovich had to go chase the ball. He had like less than three seconds left and he had a hoist a 35 foot three. Um, and I don't know if you if you feel as comfortable with Turner in that in that kind of position. So there's a little bit of it kind of depends, like if you're the Warriors front office, like what are you going for? Do you really feel like you need that above the rim rim protection? Because Looney's not that, right? So Looney's not gonna um, compete with Gobert and Jokic above the rim, but Looney is more um, centered to the floor and holding his ground and has really good lateral movement. Um, side to side, keeping guys in front and just plays within the system. And those are just a lot of intangibles that it's hard for me to see giving up. And then you have the mystery box of James Wiseman. Um, and the Warriors are number two in the West with all of this flux in their roster that they do have the the benefit of being able to develop their guys and wait and see and not feel rushed. So it's interesting. I I think that where they could benefit is kind of in the fringe guys. If you could do something with like Bielitsa to get some kind of upgrade minimum deal type player. Um, But I don't even know who that might be. Um, But I do think that they're pretty, they're pretty solid. Like Looney's pretty untouchable for this Warriors team. You could always upgrade to like I don't know, like a Tory Craig or a Justin Holiday. I'm there, I, we know the Pacers are going to be selling, so why not just name Pacers guys? 
Yeah. But, I'm but those guys aren't on minimums, right? No, I think Tory Craig's about four and a half to five mil a year. So you might have to package like two of the minimum guys to make it work. Like a Bezlika and a Damian Lee or something. Or And I think Holiday's at about four and a half mil. So it should be about the same. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking maybe a guy like that just for a more a, a more marginal upgrade rather than, you know, they already they have the second best record in the NBA. Maybe they think they don't need to make a splash. But if they want to, you know, just trim the edges and work around the margins, get more wing depth or everything like that, then yes, that's a possibility as well. Yeah, totally. Justin Holiday would be would be nice. Um, minutes in the wing rotation would be hard to come by, but just having a guy like that, elite three-point shooter, great defender, who actually ex-Warrior, now that I think back to it, Holiday. Oh, yeah, I was just going to ask So that. it'd be great to have him back. Um, but again, you know, it, Lacob doesn't want to pay money, so to have to get rid of two to bring in one and then have to pay more, um, that's rough. I don't know. I don't know how feasible that that will end up being. Well, that's why, you know, the Warriors are one of the more interesting teams at the trade deadline because they have this treasure trove of young guys while still having the best, the second best record in the NBA and competing for a title. They're really going to have to evaluate these guys on the trade market, how they're going to be, what they think of Wiseman, what they think of Kaminga. And, you know, that's, that's a good problem to have. So I'm envious of it as a Sixers. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, um, had the Warriors lost to Utah last night and had they lost to Houston, if Curry didn't hit that buzzer beater, I, I think the dialogue would be a little bit different now in this, um, the Warriors in the middle of this uh, seven game homestand that was kind of, you know, three or four of those games were kind of get right games. And if they were dropping games um, and kind of falling in the standings and not feeling very confident about this team without Draymond Green, maybe, you know, front office feels a little bit of pressure to shake it up and make some changes. Um, But the fact that they've started to right the ship a little bit, headed in the right direction, picking up a few wins and looking a little bit better on execution wise and limiting turnovers, I think they're just kind of teetering around do we just stick it out or do we shake it up? And it's really, yeah, as you, as you kind of hit on, it's really interesting. And they are kind of in that gray area. <laughs> like, What are they going to do? Because they totally could do a lot of different things with the different pieces that they have, or they could just end up do nothing and feel like we've got some of the best young players in the league right now. And, you know, in five years, we're, we're happy with where we're going to be at. And we're not concerned about, Steph Curry at 34 and, you know, Curry's going to play late into his thirties and blah, 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 blah. It will be interesting though, thinking ahead to like when pools do for an extension, uh, let's say James Wiseman does come back and play well, you know, what's he going to get paid. And then also like coming in Moody thinking ahead two, three years from now, what their salary cap will end up being with, you know, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Draymond Green, um, still there, and um, plus these young guys, they'll be. Uh, it's a good. It's a good problem to have, but it'll be interesting to see what they 
end up doing to if they're even able to keep all those guys. Yeah, and again, the Warriors have seemed very willing to pay the luxury tax. I know you're saying Lake Up might not want to do this. You might not want to do that. I don't blame him because the luxury tax bill is huge. But, I mean, they've year after year after year have just, you know, keep going in the repeat tax. So it, it really wouldn't shock me if he just says, you know what, we have a good thing going. Let's, you know, Jordan Poole, as you said, he's already um, extension eligible this summer. If not, then he's going to have to go in restricted free agency where – you're going to have to just have a tough decision to make if you don't sign to that extension. And then all of a sudden, you know, the following year, it will be Wiseman. And then the next year, it's Kaminga and Moody. And meanwhile, in 2025, 2026, you have Steph Curry on the book for $59 million. So that's just going to be something interesting to look at as a Warriors fan. Um, not just now, but in the coming years, what do they do regarding that? Because that team's going to get expensive pretty quickly. But if you're going to keep winning, then why not keep paying the tax? Well, but it goes back to what you said earlier that the Warriors have won three championships because you're right. When they brought in Durant, it what Lacob was like, I don't care. I want to win. I don't I don't care how much it costs. But now they have won. And um, you know, he spent all this money building Chase and then the pandemic, and they weren't able to do much at Chase at all. I'm sure they've been taking a big L there. Thankfully it's it's reopened and you know, they're playing in San Francisco now. But um you know, like they didn't use the the MLE um, or the or the taxpayers exception. Um, so, Lacob has shown a little bit of reluctance in last year and this year to spend, and even I think has some regrets about the Kelly Oubre signing, who was obviously, you know, not a good fit for the Warriors and incredibly expensive for what he was paid. Um, so I do think that there's a question on you know, what's like of willing to spend and, and how much, how much is he chasing championship this year versus like, let's keep building. And yeah, we have a chance to win, but I don't feel the need to really go all in this year to sacrifice the assets that we, you know, strongly believe are going to be very good NBA players for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to have that answer in what, two and a half, three weeks, just about two and a half. So we'll know by their moves, are they going for Miles Turner and really pushing everything in? Because he's only 25. So I know Wiseman's 19 and you could sell yourself or yeah, Wiseman's 20 now. So you could tell yourself, okay, look how young he is, but Turner at 25 is still an awesome player to have, especially if he's going to help you bring home another championship. So it's just interesting to see how this is all going to play out from the Warriors aspect and you know how they value these guys. That's true. Um, Turner, I think, kind of is who he is, though. I don't really see him adding adding another layer to his game. I think what he brings is definitely elite, but um, he does have some holes, I think. Um, and he is young, but he seems to be a little bit injury-prone as well. Now you yeah. can say so is James Weissman <laughs> looking at yeah, his no, first two years I, in the NBA. It's a fair question. It's just how close do you think this player makes you to push, like how far does this guy push a needle for you? And that's a question. Yeah. And, for, and for me, if you have to include Kevon Looney, he doesn't because I think Looney has been, not I think, Looney has been the most consistent warrior this season. He's, mm-hmm. he's the only player to play in every, to start in every game consistently in the 
net plus and plus minus. He is the Steve Kerr disciple, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, does everything that's asked of him. Sure, he doesn't always fill up the box score, score, you know, even hit 10 points a game, but he just does so much to help you win. And while on paper, I think that you'd say, yeah, Miles Turner on the Warriors, they're definitely better. I think you just, you have to look at some of those intangibles um, and maybe even do like the eye test to really, to really know. Um, So I do think it's, it'll be interesting, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, they, you know, the Warriors obviously have been seeing James Wiseman work out and have a sense of, of what he can be. and, And we don't. Right, we've seen some flashes in, in NBA games, and we've seen a lot of um, a lot of youth too, um, and a lot of rawness. So, yeah, like you said, two and a half weeks, the truth will be revealed. Yeah, and you know it's the best time of year, so for sure, man. Um, any other closing thoughts here? No, other than I love the trade deadline. As I said, it's at the busiest time of year for me right now. So just be on the lookout on Sports Ethos's website. Around, I'd say around February 1st, we're releasing my mock trade deadline. I have 15 other people helping me out. We're each two GMs negotiating as other teams. It's a lot of fun. But yeah, so check that out. I, we're releasing it, I believe, in three parts. I believe the first day will be February 1st, but... Follow me on Twitter at BirdRightsPod to see when that will be released definitively. And yeah, as I said, the Warriors have just about the most exciting trade deadline ahead out of any team in the league. Maybe not, hopefully not the Sixers and Ben Simmons has moved, but as we talked about and all these questions we addressed, the Warriors seem to be in a really good spot regardless of what they do. And that's an awesome feeling as a fan to have. Yeah, for sure. Most definitely. Looking forward to checking out that content. Um, thanks again for coming on the show. It was great to have you and yeah, help break down some of these uh, possible trade scenarios. Yeah, no problem. Again, thanks for having me. Um, again, you guys can follow me at Twitter at Bird Rights Pod, and we will talk to you guys soon. Alrighty, man. You take care. Hey, quickly before we sign off, we also want to remind you to use coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also to check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. Once again, this has been We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Sam Orlick. You can follow me on Twitter at SD Orlick. Really appreciate you guys tuning in.